Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. John's Gospel, reading there in the 12th chapter beginning at the 27th verse. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said, An angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying what death he should die. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. And it is a good morning, isn't it? Most of you remark that spring is in the air and that you could smell it this morning. I hope that all of us are glad that we are here in God's house, that we have rested last night, and that we have come here to worship him. You heard me say that today is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and in the church it is called Litari Sunday. That Latin word, Litari, it means rejoice, because the first word of the intro in the Latin language is Litari, or rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all ye that love her. So today in the Lenten season is Rejoice Sunday. And the text that I just read, it's rather an interesting text. It fits very well into this season of the year. A Christ spoke these words on Tuesday of Holy Week. While he was in the temple, he had in front of him his disciples. And there was a large crowd there in the temple. And Jesus began to pray, and he began to pray out loud that the people could hear him. And he started in with his prayer. He said, Now is my soul troubled. Now I am distressed, he says. And then in his prayer, he says, And what shall I say, Father? Shall I say, Deliver me from this hour? He was thinking about the hour of his death, for here it was. This was Tuesday, and death was coming on Friday. He said, Father, I am distressed. What shall I say to you? What shall I pray? Am I going to pray that I want you to deliver me from this hour, that I want you to spare me from this death? And he says, No, Father, I'm not going to pray that. And then he says, this is what I shall pray. And he says, Father, glorify thy name. He said, Father, this is what I will pray in my distress. God, I want you, by means of my death, I want you to show the world what a wonderful, magnificent God you really are. I want you, by my death, to let every man see what a great God you are, that you are worthy of every man turning to you in the distress of his sins and in the feeling that he knows that death is going to come. God, will you glorify your name by means of my death? This is my prayer. And you know, scarcely had he said the words when there came a voice from heaven and God said, Son, I have glorified my name. I have showed what a marvelous God I am in connection with your death, and I'm going to do it again. And that voice came so loud that the people that heard it said, why, it sounded like thunder. It sounded like an angel had spoken. 
And today is Lightarity Sunday, and it ought to mean this, that this Sunday ought to move you and me to say, uh, rejoice, or you ought to simply bubble over. You ought to be filled and shout to the housetop your thanks and praise to Christ that in the temple in Jerusalem on Tuesday, when he saw the hour of his death, that he didn't pray that God would deliver him from that hour because he said, this is why I came to die. But he rather prayed, Father, use my death to show what a wonderful God, what a magnificent great God you really are, worthy indeed that everyone ought to turn to you in the distress of his sins and in the distress of knowing that he is going to die. God, will you glorify your name in connection with my death? And we ought to rejoice because God answered and God said, Son, I have in connection with your death, I have shown what a wonderful God I really am, that I am worthy of every man in distress because of his sin and in distress because he knows he's going to die, that he should turn to me. Son, I have already in connection with your death, I have shown what a great God I am, and I'm going to do it again. In your death, I am going to show the world. What a marvelous, magnificent God I am, worthy for all men who are in distress because of their sins to turn to me and also because of the fact that they must die, that they will turn to me. And you and I may say it's rather strange, isn't it, that we are to bubble over, that we are to rejoice and we are to thank Christ that in this prayer as regards the day of his death that he didn't pray to be delivered from it, but that God might show what a great God he is and we may say, what a strange place. What a strange incident for God to show us what a marvelous God he really is in the death of Jesus. You and I would perhaps say, that's the last place I'd look to see what a marvelous God God is and that therefore that God is worthy of my turning to him when in the moment of my life I see my sins and when the reality comes home that I know that I'm going to die. We may say, oh, that's a strange place in which God would choose to show what a wonderful, magnificent God he is. But this is what God said when he answered that prayer. And let's this morning, let's look at the death of Jesus and let's say to ourselves, do I have reason to rejoice and to thank Christ that he prayed, God, use my death to show what a magnificent God you are, that you're worthy of every man turning to you in the distress of his soul because of his sin and in the distress because he knows he's going to die. God, let the world know what a marvelous God you really are, how great you are. And God, again, because he said that day, I have done it before, which reminds us in the first place that God says, I, by the death of my son, I have glorified my name I have showed the world what a magnificent God I am. I have showed the world by means of his death that I am a God of the second chance. When you and I, in the moments in life, when we say to ourselves, I am distressed and I am troubled within because I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I'm going to die, and that becomes a reality. When you and I look to God and we say, is God a God worth turning to? in this distress that comes to my soul when I know that I'm a sinner and when I know that I'm going to have to face death, isn't it a marvelously comforting thing for God to make known to you and me that he's the God of the second chance, that God says, but I'm a God that has given you a second chance. If you and I had not had a second chance, there would be no hope for anyone. And the strangest thing is that God has shown himself to be this kind of a magnificent God, the God who has given us a second chance in connection with Christ's death. And you may say to me this morning, when did he do that? 
Why, in order to know when God did that, we've got to go back to the very beginning of the world, when God created Adam and Eve in his own image, and when they were in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned, when God told them not to eat of the tree again in the garden, but God said, don't eat of that one tree, because in the day you do, again, you shall surely die, and they did it anyway. And do you remember back in Eden's garden, because Satan had tempted them, there was Satan in the guise of the serpent, and there was Adam, and there was Eve, and God turned to them, and God told them that they had sinned and therefore they must die. And then God said in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God gave Adam and Eve another chance. He gave the world, because you and I were there in embryo. He said, I'm giving you another chance. Eve, from you will come the seed of the woman. From you will come Eve, the Savior. And he said, Satan, he said, you're going to bruise his heel. You will bring about his death, but he will crush you. Here was God in connection with the death of Jesus back in the Garden of Eden, declaring what a magnificent God. We got a second chance. It's a mysterious thing. Satan and the angels that fell never got a second chance. No doubt because of their priority, because again of the great things that they had being in the presence of God. But you and I got another chance. If we hadn't had another chance, it would have meant that Adam and Eve would have born children and death would have come and every last human being in death would have gone to hell and be lost forever. But in the very beginning, God said, I'm a God of another chance, of a second chance. Isn't this a tremendous joy? No wonder today, like Charlie Sunday says, you ought to rejoice that Christ, as he faced death, that he didn't pray, God, deliver me from it, but God, uh, show what a marvelous God you are by means of my death, because God, again, God said, I did it, son, and he did it back in the Garden of Eden. God says, I want you to know that I am a God of the second chance. I gave the human race the second chance. I promised the Savior. And therefore, what a joy it is to know that this means that when Jesus came, he was big enough in order to make that second chance a possibility and absolutely a real reality. Christ, he came, the seed of the woman. And therefore, we find him Tuesday of Holy Week praying, God, show what a marvelous God you are. Let the world see by my death. And therefore you and I can say, God's a God of a second chance. The world got a, another chance in Christ. And therefore Christ, oh, he was big enough to be the Savior. Because again, he was no less than God. Here is the deity of Jesus Christ. And when you and I in the moments in our life when again we are disturbed and we are distressed and we say, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I'm going to die. And I'm afraid. And we say to ourselves, oh, if I could just turn to God and if I could just see what a marvelous God God is and God says, look at me. I am a God of the second chance. I have glorified my name in the death of my son. I did it before he died, even back in the Garden of Eden. Again, you've got a second chance. My son, he is big enough to be the Savior because he was my only begotten son. He was divine in order to make that second chance a reality. And today, on Rejoicing Sunday, we ought to like Harley. We ought to say, I, I'm going to bubble over, and I ought to thank Christ in the depth of my soul that in the temple on Tuesday, when he was facing death, that he didn't pray, Oh, Father, uh, deliver me from this hour. Don't let me die. We ought to be so thankful, because supposing he had prayed there 
in the temple that day. God delivered me from this death. What would have happened? If God had delivered God could have delivered him. He didn't have to die. God could have said, I'll save you from the cross. And if God had saved him from the cross, then God would never have revealed to us that he's the God of the second chance. Everybody would be lost. There would be no hope for any man. You may say, well, what about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prayed? He didn't pray there to be delivered from the cross. He said, God, if there's some other way to save the world apart from my dying, let's use the other way. But if there isn't, not my will, thy will be done. He didn't ask to be delivered from, again, his death even in Gethsemane. It was all up to God. God, if there's no other way, thy will be done. We ought to use Lightari Sunday and say, thank Jesus that he didn't pray there in the temple that day. God deliver me from this hour that he said well this is why I came I don't want to be delivered from this hour I have come to die and therefore I'm going to die God here's what I want you to do will you use my death to show what a magnificent God you are and oh when we can rejoice and thank Christ that he didn't ask to be delivered then you and I have this joy that again it's never hopeless regardless of how distressed you and I may be when we think of our sins Maybe I'm talking about something you think isn't a reality. But many a man sees the moments in his life when he sees his life as God sees it, when he realizes his sin, when he stands distressed and when he stands troubled. And then he said, and what do I have to look forward to? I'm going to die. And again, a man stands and shudders and he says, is God the kind of a God that I can turn to when I am so distressed within my own soul? realizing my sins and my shortcomings isn't it a marvelous thing to be able to thank christ and to say oh i can turn to god because jesus in your death your god your father he showed himself to be a god of the second chance today is like harley sunday again this sunday calls on you and me to thank jesus christ to bubble over with joy and in gratitude to just effervesce and to thank him that in the temple in jerusalem on tuesday of holy week when he prayed out loud that the people could hear him, that he didn't say, Father, deliver me from this hour. No, he said, I don't want to be delivered from this hour. This is why I came. I came to die. But he said, Father, glorify thy name. This is what I want you to do. God, my Father, will you show what a marvelous God, what a magnificent, what a great God you are by means of my death. And the voice came and God said, I've done it before and I'm going to do it now in your death. And God reminds you and me in the second place that at the time of Jesus' death, God did show what a marvelous God he is worthy of you and of me to turn to him in the distress of our soul when we realize that we're sinners and we know that the grave is facing us that we can find God just that kind of a magnificent God because in the light of that death God showed us that he is a God of justice you know of anything that is a greater joy than to be able to look at God in the light of Calvary and to say God this I know you're a magnificent God you're a God of justice but some of you may say oh I'm scared death of a God that's a just God you may say God's an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth God yes and you know, at first glance, we may say that. We may say, uh, I don't see anything so magnificent in God uh, when I see his justice. 
And in the death of Christ, you and I certainly see his justice, don't we? Because Christ went to the cross and God said, I am a just God. And God says that you and I are guilty of sin and all of us are guilty of eternal death and damnation. And God in justice laid it all on his son, Jesus Christ. If you want to see a God of justice seen in the death of Jesus, God laid on him your guilt and mine, not only that we're born in sin, but every thought, word, and deed that you and I have ever done, and for the entire human race, God in justice laid it on his son, and he said, you've got to satisfy my justice perfectly. Then God laid on his son the eternal punishment of all men, the everlasting punishment of every man, what every man would suffer in hell if he went there eternally. You want to see a just God, this was it. And God laid it all on him, every bit of it. And you may say, well, preacher, where do you see any marvelous thing in that? I see something marvelous in that. Because this means this. When I look at Christ and by means of his death and I see him on the cross and I say, there is God making known that he is a just God. He's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That Jesus met the justice of God. That brings me this thrill that when I turn to God in the distress with my sins and I ask God to forgive me and to deliver me from hell because of Jesus, I've got this joy. God's got to deliver me. He's got to forgive you and me. That's the kind of God I like. Did you ever say to yourself, well, God won't forgive me. Look at my sins. Look at what I've done. God won't. He won't. Listen, God's a God of justice. And let me tell you, Jesus paid the bill in full on Calvary. And if God wouldn't forgive you and me when we ask him in Christ's name, then God's making you and me pay the bill a second time. And if God would ever make you and me pay the bill a second time, let me tell you, he's an unjust God. I see a magnificence there. God says, my son paid the bill in full. That means not only does God forgive you and me and deliver us from eternal punishment, God must. There's no other thing he can do. He's got to do it because he is so magnificent. He is a God of justice. And therefore today when we rejoice and when the Sunday says rejoice, we ought to say thanks, Christ, for praying that prayer in the temple that day that you didn't pray to be delivered from your death, but you simply asked your heavenly Father that he would show what a magnificent God he is by your death and believe you and me. If you want to see something magnificent, you've got to see it through the eyes of Calvary, the justice of God. I know the justice of God is a terrifying thing to a sinner, but on the other hand, there's another side to its magnificence. God's got to forgive you and me. And that means that we ought never to let Satan ever say to us, when we want to turn to God and we're distressed because of our sin, to let Satan say, oh, don't go to him. He's going to damn you. You're going to burn, brother. He's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Listen, when you and I have Satan tempt us and say, stay away from Jesus. Look at your sins. Well, I don't care what your sins and mine are. If it's murder, we can say to Satan, listen, Satan, I'm coming to God and asking him for forgiveness because I've been a murderer. And I'm going to do it because Christ on the cross, he bore the guilt of my murdering. And whether I'm a adulterer or I'm a drunk or I'm a fornicator or whether I'm a dope fiend, I can say to Satan, listen, Satan, that bill was paid in full on Calvary and God's justice was meant. Don't you ever tell me that God is going to hesitate to forgive me and to deliver me from hell. That justice was paid in full. 
God is a God of justice and he's got to forgive me. Did you ever see the comfort? We've got communion this morning. When you and I come to communion by means of lowly bread and wine, we get Christ's body and blood. This body that was given and blood shed in death. And in communion, Christ says, here is my body and here is my blood. This is what I shed in death for you that you and I can say this morning, God's got to forgive me. If I've got the body and which is his death, in justice God can't damn me. If I've come in sincerity of faith, that's a magnificent God. You and I can say to ourselves, that body and that blood, that is an absolute guarantee. God can do nothing else. He's got to. He's a magnificent God. We can see it in Christ's death. God is a God of justice. If you want to see what a wonderful God we've got, you've got to see him in the light of Jesus' death. No, we ought to rejoice and we ought to thank God this morning. This is like Harley Sunday. We ought to bubble over. We ought to gush over with thanks and praise and say, Thank Jesus. When you were in the temple and you were facing that hour, thank you that you didn't pray to be delivered from your death, but that you rather prayed, prayed, Father, you used my death to let the world know what a marvelous, magnificent, great God you really are, that you are worthy of any man, regardless of the distress in his soul because of his sin, or the distress in knowing that he's facing death, that every man will turn to you. And God answered it, you know, and he said, well, I've done that, son, and I'm going to do it again at your death. And God did it at his death because God reminds us that he glorified his name. He showed what a magnificent God he is in death because in the death of Christ, God showed this magnificence that he's a God of love. Oh, yes, he was a God of punishment. Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. And Jesus said, now again shall Satan be cast out. And in the justice of God, uh, Jesus again, he met the judgment of God. And he did cast out Satan that we no longer belong to Satan because in the justice of God, uh, Jesus met it. And then in the love of God, Jesus told them that day, he said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, he said, I will draw all men unto me, signifying but why death he was going to suffer. I'm going to be raised up. I'm going to die. And because I'm going to die, and I'm going to do it because I love you, I will draw men. I will draw men who are overcome with the sense of their sin, men who are horribly afraid of death. I will draw men regardless of their sins, whether they're Jews or whether they're Greeks or whether they're whites or whether they're blacks. Mine will be a magnet because I have loved you and you and I look at God and we say, God, do you see any love there? Why, I see tremendous magnificence in our God, a God of love. Why? God didn't force him to die. Uh, God loved the world. God's a God of love. He said to his son, Son, would you like to go into the world? And would you like to die for the sins of the world? Do you love mankind that much? And Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And it was God's love at its best. You and I haven't seen God's love in all of its brilliance, in all of its magnificence, in all of its drawing power, unless we have seen it in the light of Christ's death. This is love in its finest hour. God is a God of love. You know what that means? Is God a God worthy, therefore, that when I am distressed in soul and I know that I'm a sinner, and when again I look at death and I know it's coming, I, I've got to die, and there is that distress and that turmoil within. And I say to myself, is, is God a kind of a God that I want to go to? 
Why, the fact that God is a God of love and you see it in all its magnificence, that means just this, that God longs and he yearns to give you and me the robe of righteousness that Jesus merited for all of us. I'd like to put it this way. My God in yearning to put on the robe of Christ's righteousness on you and me and on all sinners, my God is magnificently crazy. You understand that? He is magnificently obsessed. My God is gloriously crazy. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I mean this. There is nothing that God would rather do than to put a robe of righteousness on you and me when we are distressed in soul and we're afraid of death and we come to him in the name of Jesus. He is magnificently and divinely crazy. This is, again, this is the thing in his life that he would rather do than anything else. Oh, please, in other words, he says, I love you. Let me put on the robe of my son's righteousness on you to cover up all your sins and to assure you of eternal life. He would say, yes, I'm divinely crazy. I'm divinely obsessed because my love is that intense. And it ought to mean this then. You may say this morning, oh, there come times in my experience when I'm overcome and I'm distressed that I know I'm a sinner. There come times when I'm scared to death of dying. I dread to think of death. Don't we may say to ourselves, oh, if I could just see something wonderful in, in God that I turn to him. And Jesus said, to meet that, Jesus on that truth, he said, Father, uh, in my death, will you let the world see what a marvelous God you are? When you and I look this morning, we, we see him, we say, well, God, you're a God of a second chance. We got another chance. Surely you're worthy that I can turn to you. God, you're a God of justice, and I don't have to pay the bill twice. God, you're a God of love, and you're insanely, divinely crazy to put a robe on me. When you and I can see that kind of a God, oh, let's don't hesitate. Let's don't hesitate to turn to him. Sometimes we do, don't we? Sometimes we hesitate. May I say this? Some people have said to me, why don't you have an altar call in your church? I've been asked that many a time. And I like to answer them this way. That altar is right where you are any time, right where I am any time in our life. But wherever we are, whenever we, again, we want to turn to him, and we want to put our faith in Jesus, wherever we are, that's our altar. We may be alone, we may be in a group. But oh, we can turn and we can say, this is my altar call. Lord Jesus, through you, oh, Heavenly Father, you love me. Put, put the robe on me. And let me assure you, friend, wherever we're at, that's the altar. And God will put that robe on, whether we're murderers or adulterers or fornicators or drunks. You know, no man was ever lost because of those sins. There's only one sin that causes you and me to be lost. That is when God in his insane divine obsession says, oh, please let me put on this robe. It's whiter than snow. It will cover up all your sins. The only sin that damns is for you and me to say, no, I won't let you. There's the story about one of our governors of one of our states. He had one of his dear friends convicted of first-degree murder. 
And this friend was sentenced to death. And the governor decided one day that he was going to death row to visit his friend. He loved him very much. And the governor thought maybe in talking to him there will be some extenuating circumstance, something whereby I, I might pardon my friend. In anticipation of it, the governor of this state, he wrote out a pardon and had it in his pocket already. And he went to death row. The friend greeted him, we are told, very cordially. And they visited very nicely, and the friend appreciated the governor coming. And then the governor said to him, he said, Jim, if I pardoned you, what would you do? When he said that, Jim bristled. And Jim looked at him and said, you want to know what I'd do if you pardon me? He said, yes. He said, I'd go back to the county where I came from, and the first thing I'd do, I'd kill the judge that sentenced me to death. And then the next thing I'd do, I'd get that one witness that testified so terribly against me, and I'd kill him. That's what I'd do. And the governor was flabbergasted. He shook hands with his friend, and he left. He went back to his office. And he took out the pardon that he had already. And he wept. And he began to tear it into shreds. And he said, oh, I love that man. I would have loved to have pardoned him. But he wouldn't let me. He said no. There was no repentance. He, he didn't want it. Sometimes you and I stand before a magnificent God, a God of a second chance, a God of justice who never makes a bill be paid twice, and a God of love who is so divinely insane. Oh, please, we say no, and he takes the robe that Jesus merited for you and me, and in tears, he, he's got to tear it up. It's the only sin that damns to say no. Oh, God forbid, when in the death of Jesus we see the magnificence of our God, Thanks to Christ who on that Tuesday when he was in the temple that he prayed, God, you use my death to let men in distress see what a marvelous God you are. You're a God of a second chance. You're a God of justice. You're a God of love. Oh, let, let's don't say no to him. At your altar, whatever it is. Oh, to let him put on the robe that we may have this joy having on the robe of Christ's righteousness, we can be at the last day reunited with our loved ones and stand before the throne of God and, and to say, Oh God, how, how great thou art. Oh, you're, you're magnificent. You're marvelous. You are tremendous. God, you're great. You're a God of a second chance or I wouldn't be here. You're a God of justice. You're a God of love. Oh God, how great thou art. How great thou art. Oh God, how great thou art. Let's not miss it. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.